Uh, we talked about maybe starting with Robotech and then ending on Sky Surf. I don't care. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> oh, all right. Andy and I will take it from here. I don't even fucking care. Rory, are you, have you been looking for a way out? Yeah, I'm way out. off the show. I'm way off the show. I'm, I'm moving on to greener pastures. I'm starting a, I'm starting a solo show. What's your new show going to be about? It's called Whispers from the Dragon's Keep. And... <laughs> Every and I just and I read I read my I read letters written from people who I have been taken by dragons. <laughs> How do they get the letters out? They poke them through the little hole in the, in the, little, in the little keep in the, little, the little bars in the wall. Just poke the letters on it. <laughs> I would listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> what do some of the letters sound like? What do the letters sound like? Well, it's like dearest er, de- dearest Ethel. For so long, this dragon has has me up in his keep. And I'm so bummed about it. <laughs> I'm just so bummed about it. Let me tell you about my family. I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> All right, well, bow wow wow, everybody. It's Saturday morning, Tuesdays. It's the animated, it's the animated podcast about real cartoons. I'm your host, Rory. I'm Andy, and I'm Austin. And this week, we're just three dogs digging for bones. We are three. <laughs> the three of us are all are all dogs, different dogs, and we are looking for bones. And we're digging around, digging around in the in the in the in the, in the ground. Yeah, dinosaur bones. I don't know. Is are you understanding this theme? Everyone, are you in the trash? And Andy's in the trash can licking chicken bones. <laughs> it's very complicated. He's a cute little dog. He's a cute dogs. little chihuahua, and he's in the trash can eating chicken bones. <laughs> I'm the I'm the cute one. Andy's the cute one. And Austin's I'm the a big... lost, uh, very sickly one, but he has a spot over his eye. Which oh, so is very cute. It's very adorable. What are you, Rory? I'm the like big strong alpha dog, and I've got tons of bones. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I've got rock hard bones. <laughs> Fucking great. Hey, everybody, this is the theme of this episode. We're all dogs and we're getting bones. Oh, and I'm the sexy dog and I have all the bones. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Rory. I'm the king of my dreamland. Well, like I said, you know, woof woof, you guys. It's uh it's good this you got kinda you guys kinda got the dogs barking about this one, about this topic. (laughs) I didn't realize me being a me being a big dog with you know strong thick bones was such a such a contentious topic. Just sort of a tight muscular structure. Um. So, uh, what do we what do we find in the trash can today aside from bones? We dug up with the bones. We dug up an episode of Robotech number three. Did you say mm-hmm. Robo Robotech 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 number three? And what's that over in the chicken bones? It's Sky Server Strike Force two. It nestled nestled into a nestled in the chicken bones. Uh, yeah, we're 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 continuing along sky hunks. Uh, I don't, you know, we're dogs, but I guess we still like human hunks. Oh, we definitely love the hunks. Yeah, dogs uh, I mean, are like... all drawn to human hunks. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dog whistle to us, or as we call them, whistles. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through a gauntlet of whistles before. <laughs> I don't think a of whistles, and we came out. <laughs> Yeah, I had to brave that myself. Um, awesome. Uh, do we want to? Do we want to start this? 
Yes. Let's should we go talk about the episode we're gonna talk about? Let's fetch right in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm well, we're... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> right when I fucking started. <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. We're just three dogs sniffing each other's buttholes and interrupting each other when we try and do a thing for the podcast. So here it is. Uh, Austin's butthole. Let's dive right in. To my face. <laughs> And this is Robotech Episode 3. It's called Space Fold. And here is a synopsis. You gonna you gonna let me say it? Am I gonna get through it? Okay, great. The SDF-1 successfully flies off Macross Island to link up with other Earth forces in orbit. A Zentradi ambush forces SDF-1 skipper Captain Glovel to go back to Macross Island and attempt a hyperspace jump. The consequences of the jump turn out to be totally unexpected. Meanwhile, Rick tries to bring Minmay back to her family, but crash lands in a section of the SDF one. How we how we feeling about this episode overall? Overall, this, this one was this one was a bit of a mess. Um, you didn't like this one? I, I I just I found it really disjointed. Um, it just it goes it goes from zero to sixty so much quicker than the first two. They're in a plane, yeah. then they're back on Macros Island, then they're in space, then they're on the spaceship, then they're across space. It was just a, it was just a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it a lot more, I think, uh, than you did. Yeah. But I think it's part of the problem is that this is so heavily serialized. Like, you know, this is basically a, what, five-part movie or something that we're watching broken up yeah. into, into these mini episodes. This this episode, yeah, there's a lot that there's a lot that happens, right? So, uh, we've got we've got a, like th- two or three different plots happening. Uh, we've got Rick, who I, I think Rick is the the messiest part to me, where he mm-hmm. he gets rescued by Roy and brought back to the SDF one, and then he's like, I don't actually want to be rescued. I want to get Minmay back to her family, and so he gets in his ship and he leaves. And then they get stranded because of the. So he the, leaves like, in his normal plane, right? Not in the space yes, robot. Yes, yes, okay. in a right. normal plane. And like, yeah, so there's a, there's kind of a, a because he's a, not in the armor, so he can just be like, OK, I'm going. And they. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not a part of the defense force uh, as of yet. So that, that all happens. Oh, oh, oh no. Uh, and, you know, meanwhile, Roy is off sort of fighting. And then like the uh, we see we're seeing the Zentradi again or seeing things from their point of view, sort of watching the SDF one and deciding how to attack. And then we've got the bridge crew of the SDF-1 sort of responding and wondering what the hell's going on and they, why they can't find any aliens when they were attacking so fiercely like a few minutes ago. And yeah, th- so there's I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Like there was there was a lot going on. Sure. Now, as far as the actual moments of it, though, like moment to moment, I, st- I still love it. I love this show. It's just so cool. Yeah. The, the You know, everything is so intentional. Everything is done in a really interesting way that that is just full of detail. And I know, I mean, I just can probably keep saying that every <laughs> single episode we watch this, but it, it just keeps like it keeps well, being so what de- what details impress you? Let's get specific. Like when we see at the very beginning, we see that 
Rick and May are, or Min May are stuck in the uh, Veritech ship because mm-hmm. it's being grabbed by the corpse of the Zentradi that they shot last episode. Like his, he's got a rigor mortis death grip on the foot of the ship. Yeah. And so they can't fly away because he's like gripped onto this, onto this leg. And the way that they get rescued is because Roy comes in and detaches the cockpit of yeah. the fighter and flies off with it. And these things like we're learning the rules of this world. We're learning the rules of these ships and the technology and the things that they're possible of doing. And so it's not, it doesn't just feel like magic later. It doesn't just feel like uh, a convenience when things can do cool stuff. It's like, no, we learned and we saw how these things function. Well, so far yeah. too, every cool thing has failed. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> every sort of, every sort of like, well, at least this sort of like, um, you know, magical, like, oh, this thing has a, it has a magic ability that, you know, we're not going to explain. Right. Yeah. Whether that's the laser or the transforming plane robots. Every time, <laughs> like the first time those things appear, they, they come with some sort of pretty big catastrophic error. Right. Definitely. And that continues through this episode. Right. Which, which brings up a really interesting thing to think about when the entire basis of the show comes from humans getting technology they weren't meant to get. Yeah. Right. I mean, one of the biggest things that happens this episode is that they decide to activate the like hyperspace fold system, which they literally have never tested and they're kind of not sure how it works. Like, right. <laughs> that's kind of fun. Also, I was terrifying. a little unclear on the why, although I know they weren't trying to jump where they jumped. I, I wasn't sure what they were doing with it. I think right. they were just trying to get away. That was my that was uh, my read on it. Like okay. they were pinned down by the Zentradi and they were shooting all their lasers and they wanted yeah, to get Yeah, cuz they talk about like, you know, going into atmosphere and then firing it off at like exactly 2000 feet or whatever. Yeah, that part's a little yeah. confusing. And then, well, more, I, that made sense to me. I just wasn't sure where they were trying to go. Mm-hmm. Right. More of the specificity they talk about though is that the Zentradi are are talking about the ship, talking about STF1. They're saying, "Well, as soon as it gets out of the range of gravity, then they can do a hyperspace fold. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've set up that, you know, gravity is a factor with a ship and that that's another thing that they're calling attention to. Now yeah. they jump within earth gravity, which is a plot no, no. point, which is, but, but because they brought it up, it, it makes things so much more interesting. Sure. Um, and they, they react to it like how, how they weren't supposed to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, I see. I, I thought that was, Part of, I thought that was part of what led to them messing up the jump. I read that it, it might it well, might have been it very it very likely was. I think I think that it's a it's a big risky move for them to have done the the hyperspace jump uh, fold so close to Earth. Partly because yeah, probably it screwed up with their calculations because they end up near Pluto instead of just on the other side of the moon, which is a pretty big error. Uh, yeah, but it it yeah. also resulted in them like appa- apparently there's a radius that this fold jump affects from the ship and so unintentionally by doing it so close to earth they actually fold along with macross island and they take macross island to pluto uh which is a pretty big fuck up (laughs) yeah they took an entire island out into space floating around in space along with also rick hunter and yeah lynn 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 who were in his ship and they were were canoodling who were canoodling in space by themselves oh my god they were trying to leave the sdf1 and just kind of go home which them is great. getting into that ship is so ridiculous. It's just more of Rick being creepy. It's just like, like Min May's like, oh, you're, the cockpit's so small. Is it going to hold two people? And he's like, if they're very friendly, it will. Well, maybe <laughs> not. We we may have to we may have to double bunk. 
<laughs> oh, I hope you're okay with touching all over me. <laughs> totally divorced from the weird romantic or not romanticness of it. Their their kind of general lack of chemistry set aside. I think it's a really cool action concept that somebody has to pilot a ship with literally another person in in a yeah. one seater. <laughs> yeah. Like that is all of my fun. favorite all of my favorite action sequences generally in movies and shows have these cool physical restrictions put on. You know, like either Jackie Chan is naked and he's trying to like hide mm-hmm. his crotch with like fans and he's still trying to fight people. <laughs> um or Daredevil has a gun duct taped to his hand. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, we have Rick Hunter like in a single person fighter with you know, with a girl who's like on his lap and he's trying to like reach the controls and get around to the right. It's just, it's cool. It's, it's and she's really... just like, it's so romantic. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. not even trying to get out of the way. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so like on the other side of uh, early, earlier in the episode. So the other, the other flip side to Rick's interaction with women here is that, you know, obviously he's trying to get with Lynn Minmay uh, at every fucking chance he gets. Um, it's like his whole reason for living right now. Like he's risking his life to get her back home, presumably on the off chance that she'll fall in love that with she'll him. put out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's, you know, it's not great, but on the flip side, my favorite moment in this whole episode is that there's a sequence where Rick and Roy are sort of, uh, talking on the radio or like the, the sort of visual video communication they have from ship to ship. Mm-hmm. And commander Lisa Hayes butts in and she's like, so that's our civilian pilot. I wondered why he didn't know how to fly his plane. Who's that old sourpuss, Roy? Old sourpuss? <laughs> that old sourpuss is our control operator, Lisa Hayes. And if she looks like an old sourpuss to you, you're not as grown up as I thought you were, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> the old sourpuss. <laughs> and I also, yes. I liked it when Moonmay got in the game. Like, I think I'd apologize to her if I were you, Rick. Women her age can get off and leave you now. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was just a sick burn overload for like a minute. Bridge control. This is Skull Leader requesting landing instructions. Give us a bay number, you old sourpuss. (laughs) (laughs) Roger, bring your plane into bay 504. And like everyone on the bridge just laughs at her, including Global. (laughs) It it, it establishes something we'd asked for last episode, which is to... for to uh, clear delineation that Roy uh, understands that he's an adult mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and doesn't want to hit it with a 15 year old girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That he's just picking yes. on Rick for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's such a great moment all, all together. Like just kind of getting everybody laughing about something trivial, uh, but also that they're all piling on, on this, <laughs> this woman, this poor woman who's clearly not old <laughs> at all. She's maybe um, but they're 30. all kind of joining in this shared dog shittery, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, it's it's pretty fucked. Isn't in the one of the very first lines that them sort of it, them sort of playfully taking some shots at each other. Uh, yeah, in, in the, the show, first episode. Like, yeah. yeah, the mm-hmm, exactly. the bridge crew has a chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, so there's there's a great line read from I believe Roy where he snaps this what feels almost like an ad lib. Uh, in the booth where she says, you could be court-martialed for this, you know. Ooh, she's mad. <laughs> it, it, it feels like a weird, it's almost like a, like an abridged version, like yeah. some YouTuber, like faking that dialogue. It, it's so funny. I just gotta have to play that. But Yeah. 
it was a good I, I really liked that whole scene, even though it made me feel so bad for Lisa, who is doing an incredible job and is very competent and presumably could fire all of them if she wanted. But they all just decide to, to take a collective dump on her. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's kind of rough, but it's also very funny. <laughs> yeah. They also add a cool tech detail where there is a comm screen and there is a little square that pops up when somebody's chatting in another cockpit. And mm -hmm. then there's a little side like there are other video screens that pop up when other people want to talk. And mm. I, I don't know. It, it, it's just that's it's cool. cool. It's just another like, hey, look, that we designed this for multiple people to communicate at the same yeah. time. Well, and it's 1985. So it's kind of a cool, like forward looking you know, mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like Skype is around in 1985. Right. Like, it's pretty <laughs> cool. I, I like yeah. that they that they put all the. I mean, that's generally what we keep saying, right, is that we love the thought that they put into the sort of seemingly unimportant corners of this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this this all kind of comes to a, a, a head when the Zentradi show up and they really don't want them like rendezvousing with their other people and they're really trying to separate the SDF one so that they can, you know, presumably maybe board it safely and uh, capture it intact. And so it puts global under a lot of pressure. They're uh, in a real bind. And one of my other favorite moments is that uh, like the whole bridge crew suddenly is like, well, we don't have permission to do that jump. Like we need to ask headquarters. Like we need to ask. And global is just like, fuck procedure. <laughs> There's aliens. It's just what are you doing? Well, to be fair, we just it. met his boss, who's a complete incompetent blowhard. Yes. So you're kind of on his side about that. <laughs> yeah, but the the animation of the jump is pretty cool too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They I, do some cool stuff. There's a lot of little tiny shots of like generators turning on across the ship and big rumblings affecting everyone. I mean, the station is huge. And uh, they you know. separate like the red and the blue colors and do this mm -hmm. kind of trippy, trippy effect of warping space time. I was really into it. I was really into this episode, but only because I mean, maybe maybe I have a, a, a better perspective on it because I, you know, it, it feels like a transition to what sort of comes next. Um, I but, just found right. it busy. But in breaking down the individual moments, I'm coming around to your guys's perspective. Oh, we're winning there were over. There are a few other things going on here. Uh, they cut to the people on Macross City in the um, uh, in the shelters. Mm -hmm. So we have Lin Minmay's family in the shelters and and one of the shelters. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice that they're cutting to these people so that we kind of know that there are people in Macross City and and what's going on with the with the plebeians and. <laughs> The 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 funny thing though is that they the her brother is worried about her because she ran off she ran off to get her diary, and didn't come back, and he's you know naturally worried. And then her uncle is like, eh, she probably went to another shelter. She's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> a real. And I don't know if he's lying because he's like, oh, she's absolutely dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's just being nice about it or. They're really blasé about her safety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't seem like the greatest guardians. Uh, no. And, you know, they they clearly had a hand in raising Lin Minmay, who is not the sharpest tack in the tack box. <laughs> is that the phrase, right? Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing that I, I'm wishing right now from the show is that 
even though we're cutting to the people in Macross City, we're cutting to Rick and Roy and the bridge, it still feels a little small for this to be a global war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I And there was another fleet. There's part of their fleet, I guess there are other ships that hasn't been detailed super well, but I guess some of them were getting blown up. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see them cut to just see other people like other hey this is russia over here or this is another federation was there an implication that like other governments showed up to macross island when the zentradi showed up Uh, i didn't gather that that's what i'm not really sure about i assumed it was a sort of the the the, they're in sort of a star trek kind of federation of yeah it's it's like a world government now yeah the globalists have won (laughs) 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 all frogs are gay now and the globalist <laughs> one, and this is, you know, this is the world we live in. But, yeah, I don't think that there's a ton of, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there'd be, like, representatives from all the nations. I think that that, that Macross City was made of people from all the nations. I think that the, right. you know, that they I'm had... just still trying to get a sense of what the whole world is doing right now, because it feels like there are five people fighting this war right now. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not going to get much of it in this show. I understand that right. you would want it. Like, I feel like you're right. Like if the show was made now, I feel like there would definitely be more of a like there'd be a B plot on of like on home, like how the Expanse does it. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of there's or a lot of Battle shit going Star on in Galactica, space. You look at all the people in the in the crew. You look yeah. at all the and you know, all the Viper pilots and stuff. Well, so there's an inter- this is an interesting little sci-fi bit of just kind of larger history where you know what what really comes into play is the state of how how trusted government is as a as a establishment mm-hmm. where for for these kinds of topics so for example we're talking 80s japan they've got a strong that people aren't you have the room to question government and you have the room to imagine a, a global a global thing but people are not uh say um as interested in a sort of crumbling bureaucracy the way yeah. that, the way that we are in the 2000s in in battlestar um mm-hmm. I mean, 2000s and even even still now, like all of our dramatic television that we produce here in America is pretty much about institutions failing. Like (laughs) on some level, that's what it's about. Like that's what The Sopranos is about. That's what like Breaking Bad is about. Like it's all like how did how did everything around you fail? How is everything falling apart? Like. The, that's the story we're telling now, but I agree with you. That's definitely not what we were doing in the eighties. Yeah. So like, so it's interesting where, where we, you know, you know, a show like the X-Files, for example, doesn't get made in a period of time when, uh, government conspiracies are, uh, <laughs> possibly real. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it was, it's, it was a fun in the, it was fun in the nineties when we thought that they might be up to no good. And now it's like, Ugh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, too- when it was like, oh, maybe there's aliens instead of like, oh, did we kill everybody in Cuba? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so where does that leave us in the episode? So what happens is this big jump happens and it takes a chunk of I and mean, takes all of Macross Island with it, mm-hmm. along with SDF-1, all the way to the frozen outer reaches of Pluto. Now, did they uh, land Macross Island neatly on Pluto? I didn't notice. No, it's just kind of floating. It's there, just floating there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and you know we ignore science for a second, and everything gets covered in a layer of ice, which makes no sense if you know anything about space. But uh, oh, but... look who knows everything about ice and space! It's Doctor <laughs> Andrew Davison, PhD. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's me. That's me, everybody. Uh, 
what I think is cool and is going to be more of a status quo moving forward is that whether or not this was just sort of a big plot device to make it happen or what, as a result of bringing Macross Island, the whole town into space with them, they get the whole town, all of these people on board. Yeah, so, I can imagine it it drifting towards a Battlestar style. Yeah. There, there's sort of a, a a group of people who are now invested. Yes. In, yeah, I can see they, that. Happening. They essentially, they essentially make Macross City inside of SDF One. Like mm-hmm. they've got all okay. these people now. There's a whole like microcosm of civilization on board, and that we have to now protect because we're full of fucking civilians now. Right. Uh, oh, so, and that's, so that's the, the new status quo that we've created with this. And episode. what the reason they can't jump back, they can't fold back is because somehow their fold drive. Yeah. Uh, their folder um, <laughs> is gone, has vanished after their jump. Yeah. Uh, Rick and Minmay are out there in the ship. There's an oxygen leak in the ship that he lies to her about. He lies to her about a lot of stuff. I don't like yeah. how worried <laughs> mm-hmm. he is about coddling her, but. The upside, the upside is that we can still visibly see how fucked up he is by all of it. He's still yeah, so, terrified. By uh, that's everything. what I was going to say. So now I, in this second in this second sequence, you are totally right in the weird coddling thing. Um, I mean, it'd be one thing if he wasn't a civilian and, and there was some sort of like mismatched power status in the in the room where he needs mm-hmm. to keep a cool head because he's a cop or whatever. But that's right. not the case. Um, in the first sequence, though, I read it as him kind of projecting. You know, oh, I've got, I, I can't, I can't go deal with this dead body. That would upset Min May. It's like, no, yeah. the, you uh-huh. don't yeah. want to touch the gross dead body. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty clear in that. In the scene. second one, it doesn't feel that. It doesn't come off that way. Yeah, it feels a lot more like he's doing. It the, feels a little the, more patronizing. Yeah, the man must protect the fragile woman, and yeah. I, you know, again, ignoring science, how is he using an airplane to maneuver in zero gravity in space where there's no air? It's a but... future airplane. Oh, do you have two? You, oh, cooler. you have two doctorates. I, I have another doctorate in air where there isn't air. Uh, <laughs> and so the thing that sets up the next episode is that they manage to, you know, like an enemy ship crashes into the SDF one and makes a hole. And in the brief time before the blast doors like sort of come down and close that area off, he flies his ship in the hole. And they end up in a sort of unknown area of the giant SDF-1. Yeah, I can imagine. This leads to one of my favorite, like, sci-fi bottle episodes that, you know, almost any show that happens in space will do. Where Mm -hmm. it's, you know, kind of two people trapped in a pod of of limited air. Yeah. And they're freezing and running out of air. And how how will they get out of this one? It's always pretty good drama. Yeah. Also, the plane flew in upside down, which is also cool. (laughs) (laughs) They did it upside down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, upside down is good space, because because space, space cool. doesn't have an up and and, and you know I have a I have a PhD in that too in up I have a PhD in a PhD up in upwards. Oh well, I was trying to think of like I don't know trying in, in in rationalizing what's going on with 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 Rick and Minmay. She is she's getting pretty comfortable, and I can see him not wanting to like dampen the mood mm-hmm. as as she's <laughs> as she's settling in nicely into the lab space. He's like, oh god damn it. I'm, if I tell her there's no air, she is going to freak out. <laughs> and I'm not going to get to hit any of this. I'm going to get nowhere near the blast zone at this point. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, we'll find out next episode if he does get anywhere near the blast zone. <laughs> but I think, I, think, uh, I think it's time for us to head over to a sponsor. Hey, Rory. Yeah. 
Uh, will you tell us about our brand new sponsor? Will you tell us about our sponsor who's been really trying to get the word out about their incredible service? Yeah, I know about that service. Please tell us about Dog Recruiter. Alright, so, have you... Here's here's a problem I find myself in a lot. Because <laughs> what'll be happening is I'll be... what Here's what'll be happening is I'll be outside at the sidewalk, minding my own ding-dang business, counting counting my... Counting my, uh my poppets and my and my zip zops kind of almost <laughs> alright and this guy comes up to me and, he, and he's like dude dude what are those pop, those pop rockets what are you doing what are you gonna do with those what are you, what are you, what are you can I have some can I can I get some and I have to say hey, hey, hey you hey you scary man you scary man in a dark trench go beat it and he says I, I'm not I'm not afraid of you you child you nine-year-old child, I don't fear you. <laughs> give me, give me those toys. In this scenario, you are a nine-year-old child. <laughs> I'm the nine-year-old child, and and then popping open. But I, but because I, because it's the 21st century, and I'm a millennial nine-year-old child. I've got a cell phone. Mm. I pop it open and I pop in that app, Dog Recruiter, and I say, "You better watch out, because guess what's on the way? Boom! Pack of dogs." <laughs> <laughs> How does it work? Well, you first, when you sign up, you join a dog pack, and that's those are going to be the those are your boys. <laughs> then you know somebody, somebody, somebody. If if if, if you join a, then when you want to recruit your dog pack to come to come help you out with scary scary guys, you just you just send out you send out that signal. You send out you send it up on the on the dog recruiter. You say beep beep beep, dog pack dog pack. Let's go. We got we got a bad man doing doing no nos in the at the Seven Eleven. Do you get any choice of the kind of pack? Like, do you get to pick the 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 breed or or general temperament, or is it just sort of like a random rowdy? Who would be the? T- <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a part of a rowdy pack. Oh, there's no other kind. <laughs> uh, so it's a subscription based service where you pay five dollars a month for access to the dog pack. And <laughs> are other people using your dog pack when you're not? Is it like a time? Yeah, it share? might be. It might be peak time. It might be peaks, and and you've only got one one of your dogs around. Is it peak dog attack time? <laughs> peak dog attack time. <laughs> you gotta call up your dogs, call up your boys, and they come roll. They come. They come. They come barking up a storm at this at this bad guy who keeps he keeps asking for your asking for your pocket toys and your treats. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of dog recruiter. I've had a great time using the service. Thanks so much, Rory. I'm really excited to start using it as soon as you get mean to me. When a mysterious explosion destroys an artificial intelligence lab, Adam Hollister is framed. His son, Jack Hollister, sets out to prove his father's innocence, that someone else had caused the explosion and had stolen an experimental computer brain. Merging it with his own brain, he transforms into the master criminal known as Cybron. Bow wow wow, yippee yo, yippee yay. It's us, those three dogs, rooting whoa, around whoa, whoa. in the garbage, and we have been just. Oh, I'm not really a trash dog like you guys. I dig we've in been, the ground. We've been going to town. Yeah, Rory's got all the bones. I've got, I've got many, many big bones, and they're thick. Rory's built a small house out of his bones. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been going to town. Andy and I have been really just sort of lady in the tramp the on chicken these bones. chicken bones <laughs> on these chicken bones. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really, uh, it's really, it's a, it's a, you know, it's kind of rough when you're both going at the same pile of bones because you do, Lady in the Tramp, it like we've kissed upwards of seven times while trying to eat these bones, right? And but, but I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it, but you know, it's a hazard. And what we've found by by gnawing apart these chicken bones, 
is we've found Sky Surfer we like Strike kissing, Force. You know, we like kissing each other. It's it's kind of fun. You know, you guys smoked in the middle of a chicken bone for a couple of dogs to a you know, dogs get in each other. <laughs> I can't leave my mansion. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we've also found Sky Surfer Strike Force episode five, Titan of Terror. Oh. And the blurb for that, which we've also uncovered with our powerful <laughs> sense of smell and keen eyesight and thirst for 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 chicken kisses, <laughs> is the following blurb. Cybron combines his DNA matrix with a human growth formula and transforms sliced ice into a bioborg 50 feet tall, putting in motion his plan to have her kidnap the president of the United <laughs> States from an upcoming peace conference on board a train. Can the Strike Force save their friend and stop Cybron? No, just try and try and tell us not to watch that episode after we read that summary. <laughs> like that was just yes. the we, the quickest decision we've ever made. Oh, the fifty foot five. tall woman steals the president. Oh, from my a train. <laughs> from a train. <laughs> Give train it to me the... with a spoon. Low key, the train is the funniest part to me. Like, why is it a train? Like everything else, I could always almost understand from this stupid show. But why is he on a train? Why are they know a peace why... conference on a train? I want to know why Cybron has the most powerful henchman in the world, and all he's waiting for is a fifty foot tall woman so that he can finally <laughs> kidnap the president. <laughs> oh, my one weakness. <laughs> Who found out that presidents are weak to giant women? <laughs> Presidential trains, I would say. <laughs> yeah. This one, now I understand, Rory, I understand that your criticism of the last episode we talked about came from a, you know, a place of different expectations. But I do find it a little ironic that you said that one was a busy episode. And then we're watching and talking about this. Because this is, I think that they change scenes and everything like at least one to two times a minute in this well episode. look there, there are different kinds of meals and <laughs> some some things you know take a lot of ingredients and some are better with a few in the case of Ro robotech i felt it, it, it was it's best when it's a little smaller when the when mm -hmm. the pizza pie has has but a pepperoni and a few peppers <laughs> <laughs> and in the case of of sky zero strike force it's an ice cream sundae and baby you can keep adding chocolate <laughs> perhaps at least gummy bears? five you can add perhaps some gummy bears at least five Peanuts. different items you might say uh and some of them could be eye eyeballs if you, 31, if you 31 wanted different flavors <laughs> <laughs> and five of them are eyes yeah <laughs> that's a great basket of robins 31 flavors <laughs> and five of them are eyes uh, uh, guess uh, which ones <laughs> So the, the the kind of opening section of this episode uh, has the, uh, two of the Bioborgs, Laserette and Gr Grenader, uh, sort of breaking in on a secret lab and roughing up the scientist who who owes them a magic formula to make women really big. And uh, and so they kind of they steal it and he's he's none too happy about it. But at the same time, I, I, Laserette's threat was so funny. She says, give me that. Give me that serum before I have a mood swing. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> It's precious. I love I love the casual sexism in this show more than anything, and I shouldn't like it, but it's it's so aggressive. 
Well, that yeah. line that line in in abstraction, I would not call necessarily problematic. But in the episode, you're not wrong. There's it, tons of there's tons. It's going a on. yeah. It's it's evidence of a trend. You yeah. might that say. leads us actually leads us directly into chronologically into the boys only fishing trip. Oh my that god! That is happening from all all f- uh, four male sky surfers, and the one sky surfer who is not part of this fishing trip is. Uh, our sliced ice is Kim, and Whose birthday it's her birthday. It is. It's her and they, birthday, and they go off without her to go have a fishing trip. <laughs> Hunts only, baby. Hunks only fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these these hunks are are out fishing, just having a grand old time with just boys only in their boys club. Uh, when they encounter the bioborgs at the dock, and they fight them, and uh. Uh, Sky Surfer One drops Laserette into the water, and that's when he scoops up their her human growth formula uh, in the vial. And they're like, oh, "I don't know what this is, but we'll we'll figure it out." <laughs> there is some incredible banter that happens between Jack and Laserette, where he's like, "Make your move, doll. This playing hard to get's not my style." <laughs> like, this affair is getting too hot, babe, for you. Oh, and Laserette says, I can't resist a man who knows what he wants, so I'm going to give it to you. What, lasers? <laughs> she just uses lasers. She just blasts him with, she blasts him with lasers after that. Uh, I, love, I love everything about how they try and make this like really boring, hot dude that leads the team. Like They really try and have him have banter. But he doesn't have enough of a personality for there to be any. Like, no, that's hooks. why they. That's why they've. That's why they've at this point uh, started trying to give him. Trying to get sell the nickname. Sell his sweet. His cool new nickname, Sky. Sky. Because <sighs> if you can't have a personality, you can always have a nickname. <laughs> but the, the, it's a stupid nickname because they all have specific nicknames and they are Shut all up, Sky no, Surfers. Yeah, no, sky Surfer two. No, sky Surfer sky. five. But he just gets to take the team name as his nickname. He's, he's, the, he's he gets to be Sky. Name. He's Sky. Fucking a. Okay, so my actual favorite, like, weird moment in this episode is that they they end up at Kim's birthday, which is just at some bar. They're just having a time at a bar with the cake. grotto, the grotto, and <laughs> there, <laughs> Jack has the ca- the cake, and he lights all the candles, and in this weird sultry dad voice, he look he leans in and he's like, "Blow out the candles, Kim, and make a birthday wish," and. I don't know what's going on. Like, it's like they're really trying to push this this romance that is not happening. But the the delivery is freaking me out. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, they, I don't they, know. Def- yeah. they definitely have have googly eyes for one another. Just the, their- the most bonkers part of this scenario, though, is what happens right after that, because Kim gets lured away by a phone call. Yep. Uh, because we know the Bioborgs know that they have the human growth formula and they want to mm-hmm. steal it back. So they send in Replicon and Serena. Now, I think this is important. The they daughter. send in Replicon, the guy who can transform, the guy who yes. can turn his body Again. to any other bodies. But they don't quite <laughs> no. do what you expect. <laughs> no. So they they kidnap, uh, they kidnap Kim. And yeah. then Serena goes into the bathroom of this restaurant. She puts on a latex mask to look like Kim and then walks back out again. 
Replicon. Literally, his power is to... Yes, but he's a boy. So the, you have to remember, it was right. the two kiss. So they go so far out of their way to make sure that we know Jack's not a gay guy. <laughs> oh my right. god, you're so right. I had he no doesn't idea. Gay kiss, he doesn't gay kiss a boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the only no, reason they do it this absolutely way. absolutely that. Oh, fuck, it's so right. Because what Serena does, what Serena does with Jack is she's like, puts on the hots and she puts on the, the swoon charm and... And sweeps him off his feet and goes super aggressive. And goes tonsil like, hey, diving. baby, let's let's make this dream come true and let's dance. And then she just like goes in for big smooches. And while she's doing that, she just plucks the plucks the vial from his from his ass. From his back pocket from his from his from his tight from his tight yeah, denim pocket. A little, a little bit of, a little cutie swipe uh, from his buns from his appley tush. And she and Serena Serena has possibly the most bedroom voice voice I have ever heard on a kid's cartoon. And she's the always talking she to her says, dad. Remember, she's Cybron is her father. Uh, yeah. She's never always, forget. She never turns off the bedroom voice. So she is so she's talking no. to Cybron, who's my dad. And you're like, oh. Daddy, I'm just so tired. <laughs> <laughs> and and after she kisses, she kisses Jack, she says, Excuse me. I'll be right back. And like walks out of the room. I I I thought I, I don't know. It was incredibly inappropriate to me. Like also, Replicon needs to like really take take some for the team. If you know, <laughs> like this is so much easier if you could just do this, Replicon. Like it's not a well, big deal. Well, I imagine he always wants to. I imagine he's like, well, I'm I can do my thing. I could just change. It's it actually to much better than turning my face into a gun. <laughs> yeah. I can, Which I is incredibly someone else, and they just like no, we're gonna do the latex mask thing, like the equivalent of wearing a Nixon mask, and we're gonna do that instead. And he's like, "Do you think I'm a joke? <laughs> Am I a fucking joke to you? I'm Replicon. I'm a transforming guy. Yeah, but you do, uh, you know, fun guns, fun gun. Yeah, don't you kiss a boy? That's gross. We're trying boy. to blow up the world, not kiss boys. <laughs> we're not here to have same sex kisses." <laughs> Uh, oh man! So the next stage of the plan, now that they the bad guys have the human growth formula back, and they also have Kim because they abducted her, is that they're gonna make her this giant fifty foot woman. I, I also I think she's bigger than fifty feet. She gets real big. Uh, but we also we learn a, a fact that never comes into play ever again. I think, which is that it kind of works like dog rules. Like as she gets bigger, her lifespan gets shorter. And so apparently she's only going to be able yeah. to survive a few days when she's this big. Yeah. I mean, the the other weird part about it is that he says he's making her into a bioborg and mm-hmm. that she's going to be like a half cyborg or something. But she's just bigger. Like there's not there's no <laughs> cyborg element to it. And when he turns her back, he's saying, oh, I dreamt that I was half Borg. No, yeah. it's big. There's no. This isn't an Uncle Chuck scenario where, you know, that we've been led to believe that the Bioborg process makes you like a robot. Austin, I think I think I really fucked you up, didn't I? (laughs) You keep bringing Uncle Chuck back. I think that I've really put Sonic deep in in an irretrievable part of your body. Like I feel like if I keep bringing it up, then maybe something will will happen to you, Andy, that will make you like it less. And then I'll have done my job and I'll fade into smoke. Um, but but so here's the line when when Cybron tells Kim, you only live, you'll only live a few days, but you can kidnap the president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paraphrasing so, a little bit, but not much. 
<laughs> yeah, so there's a win in there for you. You know, nobody's ever done this before. We're going to kidnap that president, dog. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little unclear <laughs> how they got thankful. her to play along. Was it that the, was the the implication that they can undo it if she's if she does bad stuff for them? No, or do they just think now, that she, now that she's tall, that she's going to be magically evil. Is that their goal? She's brainwashed yeah, he, somehow. It's oh, the, that's it's, right. Yeah, it's what's it's what's kind of being implied as like he's borging her. You know, he's turning into her into a bio borg. Like, I yeah. think that there was there was some kind of like. We've infused you with our whatever our evilness, and you're you know you're not going to be able to resist it. And okay. yeah, so they they whammied her and they made her big and they sent her after the president's boat. And well, this, <laughs> it wasn't the president's boat, so <laughs> the she has to security's go up, boat. <laughs> she has to go up uh, and as a giant woman find a boat at a fleet of boats, and on one of those boats there is a man who has in his briefcase the location <laughs> of the president's train. In the briefcase. So she's got to steal the boat and then get the briefcase and then find out where the president's train is going to be uh, so that they can have something for act three yeah. uh, of the episode. <laughs> and in the, you know, th- this is, of course, another big fight scene with the giant woman picking up boats. Chronozoid shows up again and says, time to shut them down. Uh, because, you know, that's all he's really good for. But uh, he... As just as it looks like the heroes might win, Chronozoid freezes them all, and then they all get away, and and we're you know he's completely overpowered yet again, yeah, and should be should be working on his own. He should not and maybe be working for they Cybron. should have just used him to kidnap the president. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Yeah. Literally go back in time and and take the president. <laughs> it's like we surely we know some at some point we have known where the president is. Or they could do the same trick that they did with Kim last time. They'd just have one of his security guys go back in time with that security guy to the last time he was the president and then take the president. Like, they've done this before. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, this is how bad they fucked up when they introduced Chronozoid with no restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> we do get to see a lot of floppy disks, though, and I, I, that was a big plus for me this episode. We also get to see a lot of Replicon firing more missiles from his face. <laughs> uh, from his missile launcher face. Fine, I guess this is what you want me for. He doesn't Fuck. even turn it like his hands into missiles. He doesn't even turn his chest into. It's like, <laughs> God, it's so good and dumb. <laughs> oh shit! He uh, jumps out some... of an airplane. No, no, no. I'm not done talking about cri- or Replicon. <laughs> Replicon jump was flying in an airplane shooting, and then he opens the cockpit and shoots more missiles from his face. And then he jumps out of the cockpit and grows wings. And then fires missiles from his face <laughs> with bird wings. He turns his face into a laser gun. He shoots pew pew so lasers out of his face. What a delicious character. <laughs> uh, also, after a sore loser breaks his plate, he says, does he say, like, score one for the loser? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. He just, like, fully embraces his name. Yeah. yeah. I'm always loser. Got- <laughs> Like, Crazy Stunts and Sore Loser really don't have any character either. No. No. Neither of them are really... And neither does Air Enforcer. Air Enforcer has fucking zero. Well, we learned he doesn't take fishing very seriously. (laughs) (laughs) He just just shot missiles at the fish. Yeah. (laughs) So then there's bullshit with the antidote. They track down the scientist at the docks who made the human growth formula. And they and I, bully him into making say, them an antidote. 
the the amount of time it would take us to explain them getting the antidote, setting up this meeting, tricking whatever him like Jack riding on the back of Kim to get back to the villain's place in the time that we could describe it to you, it would take it longer happened. than like yeah. it's happened. It's such a fucking quick sequence of events. They re like I the think Trojan that they horse though the Trojan uh, horse. Yeah, you know mm -hmm. how they suggest that the concept of a Trojan horse. They explain what that meant, sneaking in a whole of bunch of soldiers in a fake wooden horse, and then don't do that. No, the Trojan the Trojan horse is Kim, and the the soldiers are Jack, who rides on her back secretly and goes to the enemy base. Yeah, it is convoluted and stupid, but it's so fast. I wanna I wanna go. I just wanna go shake whoever wrote this or put the 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 storyboards together and everyone who was in that room just be like, this is too much for twenty two minutes. You seriously can't fucking do this anymore, you guys. We need even a moment to consider what has happened before you move on to the next bullshit. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I followed it. <laughs> I was okay. It's it's entertaining. It's not yeah. boring. I'll no. say that. It's not boring. It just makes my, my head hurt. <laughs> we do get a Dr. Five Eyes uh, cameo in this yes. episode, thankfully. He struts by quickly to let us know he's still... He's yeah, he's flying a helicopter uh, when it's Act 3 and they have an antidote that they need. They've got one shot to hit her with the antidote, uh, but she's off trying to steal the president's train. <laughs> <laughs> the, okay, I I hate loved this. When, when he finally injects her with this antidote, it is an extremely over-animated action sequence. Because he's like hanging off a ledge and then he falls and we're like, oh, God, he's falling. But apparently that was part of his plan because then his like sky surfboard zooms over and grabs him. And then he like flips on it. He shoves the antidote into the hilt of his sword, I guess. He pulls out the fire sword and then the fire sword shoots a rocket out of the sword that has the antidote in it. And then that yeah. hits sliced ice. Look, I, I'm not one to overanalyze the physics of their surfboards, but... <laughs> Every just, I just get more and more confused you by their exactly logic. Like every person. time you see them, they just they're just doing something different. Yeah. <laughs> do they summon them? Do they fly, or do, or do they come like Thor's hammer? I, I do, where are they when they're not in sky server mode? They're how do they fly? They just it's totally unknown. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is it that they're they they're they're cars? Is that what it is? The, usually you see them as cars and then they turn into boards. Oh, you're totally right. They are their cars. Fuck. It's so, okay. I didn't even put that together because like I said, things move so fast in this show. You don't even have time to process what's in front of you. And you're, they're already on the next action set piece. I mean, we didn't even mention the fact that the Air Force is here shooting at them. And like yeah, everybody's in a little bit of a King Kong uh, vibe. Yeah. Sure. I, I think the thing that gets me the most about these sequences is that they could be so much more fun or interesting if we let anyone but Jack have more to do with what actually happens. Because it always seems like the other four Sky Surfers go off to deal with side threats while Jack ends up going to, they're to They're just deal. there to throw quips out. Yeah. And then Sky, <laughs> our boy Sky is the one who actually goes and does the thing that is the explicit purpose for the mission. Well, we've actually gotten a fair amount of of playtime from sliced ice. Uh, it's true. Yes, we did. We did. But, but we the also boys, picked... the boys are junk. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the boys are fresh junk. Uh, <laughs> and nobody really has any defining character traits. I think the only reason Sliced Ice does anything is because she's also a woman. Yeah, that's the thing and... is that like her her only care her only real character trait is that she's a woman. It, it's it, it's it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's not good, but it's one more than anything anybody else has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and of course she's got to be the one that's into the you know the main proto boy of the group. Yeah, right. But whatever. I mean, I shouldn't. You can't. We can't expect more from a show than that. In the 80s. Like, I think, I think Robotech is. the 90s. Oh, shit, you're right. This is the 90s. I almost forgot because this is bullshit. And this is this. (laughs) And so, and so he, uh, he tells her at the end that he made out with, with, uh, Cybron's daughter. Oh. And says, and tells her how hot she was. And Kim does not care for that. Not one bit. She's a, she's a jealous woman. Like all women are, apparently, in this show. Oh, yeah, all of them. (laughs) I, I love I love there's a there's a line as he's you know she she gets back to normal and she's waking up and she's like oh I had this weird dream and then describes the plot of the episode and she's like doesn't that sound crazy and he says mm, I'll explain over birthday cake let's go home and there's something there's something like I don't feel like these people are grown ups I guess is what I'm really trying to get at here no like they do not feel like grown-ups. They feel like kids in big grown-up hunk bodies because for her birthday they just like I don't know, they go to a they go to a bar and then they have a big like cutesy birthday cake. Like it just felt so weird. Let's go know. back to the DZ Discovery Zone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh Andy and Austin have have licked the chicken bones clean and I've built my towering bonopolis. <laughs> I've fully replicated Bone City out of the out of out of uh, the dinosaur bones that I've dug up out of the ground as a big, strong, strapping dog. What the very me- real city this- Bone City? You, you remade the very it. Real city Bone City. I've recreated it in my ha- <laughs> in my backyard. I've built Bone City, and you two just are in the corner looking up your chicken bones, lapping, <laughs> lapping them. <laughs> uh, it's been yeah. a good week. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I think that the the the, the differences uh, between these two shows just keep on mounting. Yes, the um, gulf widens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as Robotech tries to go farther into drama and setting up long term, you know, like things happen in Robotech and they have large consequences that continue into next episode. Oh, I'm sorry. And kidnapping the president is pretty consequential. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the president's train. <laughs> the I mean, we, we train. didn't. My train. <laughs> <laughs> we we didn't Get mention off my it, but train. <laughs> at the end of at the end of that episode, the president's train, train is one. still. Oh. <laughs> at the end of that episode, the president's train is still covered in ice, stuck on a bridge, and presumably the Bioborgs are still around. And the heroes are just like, "Cool, we got our hero back. We got let's Kim go back. Eat so cake. Like, let's <laughs> go eat cake. Leave the fucking president in this train." I don't know. Also, why didn't they? They knew that the briefcase had been stolen about mm-hmm. with his plans and where why didn't they change his whereabouts? They had time to build a whole like antidote, but they couldn't tell the president, hey, go somewhere else. Don't be on your train. <laughs> <laughs> they knew he wouldn't listen. They know how much the president loves his trains. <laughs> <laughs> this is a peace uh, conference. They're gen- they're gonna create world peace on this train. Yeah. Peace train. <laughs> hey, is it a Cat Stevens reference? <laughs> 
I liked that, but we're dogs, so I, I don't know that I can enjoy oh, Cat Stevens. Bark, bark, bark. Oh, cat. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Stay away from my chicken bones, you nasty, mangy cat. Stay away from my chicken bones. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a no-good junkyard cat lusting after our bones. We're Whoa. just three dogs. We're just three dogs, and we've watched Skyhunks a thrice time. We've done three times we've we've Skyhunked. <laughs> and we want to thank you for joining us on this wonderful adventure. And we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing Skyhunks because we're loving it. And there's no end in sight. <laughs> uh, if you're loving it as much as we are loving it, then you can go love it on the iTunes where you can pop in five five hunk. Five, five, five rippling hunk bottoms. One star uh, for each one eye. One star for each butt that you have <laughs> that you have smooched pleasantly. You have you have smooched tenderly on the lips, and then you can write a little review. It says hunks rock. Go 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 be hunks. <laughs> Fly my hunks. And then and then you walk over to Facebook and Instagram. You can be be our friend there. We have mm-hmm. website. We are our website at sadamtuesday.com. So our website. We are website now. So uh, find us where you find stuff. It's a great time to be alive, uh, but please do find us on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you heard, heard it from Rory. 2019 is the best year in history. We're doing great. Everybody's doing super great. And for the price of the low, low price of 10 hunk dollars, uh, you can find out what's happening next week early. Just, uh, you know, email me those hunk dollars and I'll give you the, the lowdown. But as of right now, we don't know what we're watching next week. Not specifically. We're probably going to watch episode four of Robotech. Uh, we're going to pick another fun episode of Sky Surfer Strike Force, and then we'll tweet out on Saturday morning what exactly those episodes are going to be. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Be back next week. Woof, woof, woof. I'm a dog. I'm in I'm in Bone City now. Rory let me in, and Austin's not allowed. He can't and raise the drawbridge. don't forget to spay and neuter your Rory's. Spay and neuter your friends. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a breeding dog. I might... <laughs> <laughs> You're powerful stock. <laughs> <laughs>